Our sermon passage is from Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So, Father in heaven, we are asking you now to take this word which you have spoken and written and allow us and cause us to hear it, to believe it, to be motivated by it, to be transformed by it, and to bear much fruit through it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So here at Redeemer, our mode of preaching is to work our way through books of the Bible. And, and last week, we finished a long study of the Gospel of John. And so for the next um, few weeks, we're going to be spending some time in the Psalms. So the fact that I started in Psalm 1 today, fear not, we're not going to do all 150 of them and be here for the next three years. Um, that'd probably be a great book, like How to Shrink a Church, <laughs> one psalm at a time or something like that. But anyway... Um, We'd all get to 119, and then it would just collapse. Um, sorry. The Psalms were written to be the songbook of the church. They were written to be the prayers of the church. They were written to be God's people crying out to God in praise, crying out to God in Adoration, crying out to God in joy-filled worship and also meeting God in the lowest points of agony and meeting God in sin and confession and meeting God in those times where we need His grace to be lavished upon us. So we at Redeemer want the Psalms to be a home. We want them to be a safe place that we find ourselves running to. And so often even in our preaching between series, that's just what we do. We, we find ourselves running back to the Psalms, and that's what um, we'll be doing uh, for the next few weeks. And so today, I want us to look at Psalm chapter 1, the first Psalm, Psalm 1, um, which was just read for us. And this Psalm is a perfect on-ramp and a perfect introduction to the book of Psalms because it, it's a bit of a declaration. It's a bit of an invitation. It's a bit of an awakening moment for us. And this is what is being said to us in this psalm. People of God believe that God's ways are better. People of God believe that God's ways are fruitful. People of God believe that God's ways are eternally good and temporally good for your souls. So we're done, we can go home, but I'm going to keep talking for about 30 more minutes, okay? 
But that's, this psalm, it's a plea and it's an invitation. And so every one of those words is loaded. The people of God. This psalm is written to God's people. It's written to those, all 150 of them are, to people in God's covenant way. So what is written here is not and never do this so that God will love you. It is never believe this and do this so God's favor would be poured upon you. That's not what the psalmist is saying. What the psalmist is saying is people of God, people of the covenant, people who have God's mercy, who have God's blessing, who have God's salvation, live like this to enjoy what the Lord has given you. Now, that is an invitation in that. Because the invitation to those who are far for God, the invitation to those who are not God's children, the invitation to those, maybe you're here today just listening, just here observing, just here wondering. The invitation is this, God's ways are better. God's ways are blessing. God's ways are saving. God's ways are powerful. But, but what is not being said here is, Read the Bible and become a child of God. What's not being said here is perform better and God will love you more. What's being said here is those whom God has delivered, those whom God has redeemed, walk in the ways of your Lord and you will experience Him more. And as you experience Him more, you will find joy, you will find deliverance, and you will find salvation. So if I could just... This is the sermon with like four intros, okay? I'm trying to call everybody in, okay? Like, what we must find ourselves believing is that God is not a tyrant who wants to limit our joy, but that God is a merciful, benevolent Father who wants us to find better joy by walking with Him. And we don't believe it. Just, just honestly, like, like we do on paper, right? Like go look us up on the internet. What does Redeemer believe? We believe that. Ask me what I think as a pastor and I'll tell you, believe that God's ways are better. But in my own soul, in my own bed, in the dark at 2 a.m. when I can't sleep, what I'm wrestling with is is obeying and following God really going to give me the joy that my soul desires? Is obeying and following the Lord really going to be better for my children than all the other promises that the world is making to them? Am I the only, am I the only crazy person here? So if you've ever shared that moment with me, the Psalms come and they speak to you, in particular this Psalm. Blessed is the man who knows the Lord through his word and walks with him in this world. That's the truth. And so we're going to see if we can better understand this from Psalm 1 today. So, note-taking friends. First point, blessed. Blessed. Or if you say it in the King James way, blessed. Why don't we do that, right? That word clearly means blessed. You go to English class, it's blessed. You take a spelling test, the teacher would say blessed. But you come to church, and all of a sudden, it becomes blessed. I don't know why, right? But it happens, right? So however you want to say it, blessed or blessed, that's the first point. What we must wrestle with 
is what is blessing. It's the first word of the psalm, blessed is the man. And then he's going to unpack what that looks like. But what is blessing? We have to fight to understand this word biblically. So we're going to start here because understanding this will help make sense of Psalm 1. It will help make sense of all the other 149 psalms. It will help make sense of the rest of the Old Testament and probably help make sense of how we live as children of Jesus today. So what is blessing? First of all, blessing is not getting what I want when I want in the quantity that I want it. Say that one more time. Blessing is not getting what I want when I want it in the quantity that I want. And we, modern, smartphone-carrying, upper-middle-class suburbanites are told all the time that happiness, and by the way, the word blessed here in the Psalms literally means happy. We're told that happiness is getting what we want in the quantity that we want when we want it. And that is not a biblical reality. The Bible tells us that we're sinful people. The Bible tells us that the world is broken and the world is fallen. And what we think we want will and is destroying us. You see, the the scriptures say that we are sinful people who behave sinfully because we live in a sinful world. Anybody here that's that's a parent, has been or ever been a parent, right? Like, Like your kids want for breakfast and lunch and snack and dinner as many Fruit Loops as they can have whenever they want them. And we don't want to give them that because we know, A, they'll be hungry again in five minutes. B, they'll probably be diabetic. C, they'll probably be obese. And D, for all of those reasons, they'll be miserable. So we say you can't have all the Fruit Loops you want whenever you want them, however you want them. And you can also insert, you know, chocolate Cocoa Krispies and uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch and all of those cereals. And if you had cereal this morning, that's fine. But you're going to be the one going, Pastor, hurry up, I'm hungry. But so often we think of blessing like that. Like, like if God's blessing me, I must feel extremely pleased because I'm getting what I want, how I want it, in the quantity that I want it. And there are even really bad, dare I say, heretical Bible teachers who will tell you that if you'll just repent of all your sin and just get everything right, that God will give you what you want materially and fully in the here and now. And that's not true. That's not true. That's not the blessing that's being talked about in Psalm 1, and that's not how the Bible uses the word blessed. Okay? Everybody with me there? Trying to be clear. Second, in an effort to avoid this misapplication of the word blessing, Christians like us who value Jesus, who value his atonement on the cross, who believe that our sin needs to be forgiven and we need to be delivered from hell into heaven in the afterlife, Christians like us have looked then at word blessing and say, oh, that must all be in the future. The blessing of God is all for after 
we die. In a spirit of not wanting to be this health and wealth, obey God and get a BMW kind of Christians, we have just pushed it all over into the blessings come after we die. Okay? Now, let me be really clear. If we take the Bible seriously, if there are no blessings after this life, Paul, the apostle, would say we're crazy people, right? Jesus died to purchase life now and life everlasting. Jesus died to bless his people now and everlasting. So we believe that the people of God will be blessed forever. Will be blessed in an afterlife with God in heaven forever. Where there will be no sin. There will be no death. There will be no suffering. There will be no decaying bodies. There will be no interpersonal strife. Because sin is no more and Jesus reigns. We live for that. And that is part of this blessing. But if we push all of this blessing into the afterlife, we miss part of the joys of God's blessing with us today. Okay? Trying to be very clear here. So the right way then to understand blessed in the Bible is getting now from God what is eternally blessed. Excuse me, best. Getting now from God what is eternally best for me. Getting now from God what is eternally blessed for me. So to go back to the food thing, right? Like mistake one. Mistake one is eat all the fruit loops you want because God just wants you to be happy, right? Mistake two is God is all about kale and greens. But the better way is that Blessing is God giving to us in the here and now what is good for us now and for our eternal good. So by way of application, if God allowed us to love our favorite technological gadget so much that it becomes an idol that we worship and causes us to no longer worship Jesus, that would not be blessing because it would not be for our eternal good. But what that also means is if we do love our technological gadget a little too much and God sovereignly by His Spirit brings conviction into our life, brings someone into our life who would speak into that idolatry so that we, while hurting today and while not wanting to go through the hardship of being corrected today are being brought back to the feet of the cross and to the blessing of God, that is actually blessing because it's good for us for all of eternity. So basically kind of what I'm saying is like your football coach in high school was kind of right. Like puking today pays dividends in the future. But this is way bigger. Okay, so blessing in the Psalms is getting now from God what is best for our present and our future all the way into eternity. Okay, that, that, that's what the Psalms mean when they talk about blessing. And so the psalm, this Psalm is going to draw a picture of two people. The blessed the blessed and the wicked. 
And what the psalmist is going to say is there's a portrait of the person that is walking in and receiving the blessing of God. And there's a portrait of the person who is not walking in, not receiving, and not enjoying the blessing of God. And I believe that the reason the psalmist puts this parallel up here for us is not so we can say, that's right, the wicked are going to hell. While that may be true. But so we'll say, God saved me so I could walk in his ways. And he has good for me as his child. And it is better to walk in the word of the Lord and to walk with Jesus than it is to settle for for futile replacements of him. So this, this parallel is not a parallel of judgment. It's a parallel of invitation. It's a parallel that's intended to speak to our hearts and say, come children of God, come people of the covenant, remember your God, remember your salvation, remember his word, remember his goodness, bathe in it, walk in it, enjoy it, because it's the better way. It's also an invitation to those who might be outside of God's covenant, who might be outside of God's saving grace in Jesus, who might be what the psalmist would call wicked. It's an invitation to say, there is a better way. And this better way bears fruit in the here and now. So, second point for my note-taking friends. Uh, two people. So we have, we have a caricature of two types of people. So let's just walk through the psalm and then just note, here are the two people. There's the blessed and there's the wicked. So we're going to walk through it and then we're going to talk about it together. I'm just going to read again. Not that it was not read well the first time, Dylan, thank you, but we're going to read it again. I'm upstaging you. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor sits in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So we get a picture of two people. And as I said, I think this parallel here is about invitation and calling. So first, the blessed. The blessed are those who live in and by God's covenant. And this is what the psalmist says about the blessed. First of all, he says, we're going to kind of take this from bottom up, but the first thing he says is that the blessed will be blessed now and in the future. The blessed will be blessed in the now all the way into the eternal. So so notice what's going on here. He says, that the blessed person is like a tree that yields fruit. When? Now. His leaves do not wither. When? Now. And all that he does, he prospers. When? Now. So in season, yes, but in the here and now, God's blessing is for God's people now. Our salvation is intended to bear fruit in us Now, 
Jesus working in us through the Spirit as revealed in the Word is intended to change us now. And, praise be to the Lord, it carries on forever. He makes this parallel that the wicked will not stand in the judgment, the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Do you see what's implied there? The way of the wicked will perish. The wicked will not stand in the judgment. The wicked will not be a part of the congregation of the righteous. What's implied there? The righteous will stand. The righteous will be in the congregation. The righteous will not perish. And so what we're saying is the blessed man will enjoy the blessing of God all the way into forever. Unending and forever. And so so here's the promise. God's blessing is in the now and it's in the future. Second, God's blessing shapes our living. God's blessing shapes our living. Like, like we could really misread these first few verses. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And we could just go like this. Like, read your Bible, you'll be blessed. Read the Bible, God's going to bless you. But that's not exactly what he's saying here. What he's saying is the person who's blessed is the person who meets God in the Word in such a way that he delights in God. That's an active word, delights in God, right? And then he says that our delight in God as we delight in the Word of God changes the way we live. Because notice these action words, walks, stands, sits. The cursed man walks in the counsel of the wicked, stands in the way of sinners, and sits in the seat of scoffers. But the one whose life is shaped by the word is the one who walks differently, who stands differently, who sits differently. Now we could go on and on and on about the nuances of walk, sit, stand, but but do you get it? Sitting still, delighting in the Lord, Stand up. You don't have to, but you stand up. That's a different posture. Delighting in the Lord and then moving about. That's a different posture. Delighting in the Lord. What the psalmist is saying is that the blessed man's life is shaped by the word of the Lord, whereby we meet the Lord. And friends, here at Redeemer Church, We have a bunch of us. I'm the guiltiest of everything I'm about to say, okay? We have a bunch of people that love to think. Love to think. Like, put us on a whiteboard and let us solve a problem, and we're all in. Ask us to go out and be a part of the solution to that problem we solved on the whiteboard. I'm busy. A little busy today. I'm kind of kidding, right? We love to solve problems. We love to think. We love to use our mind. We love to break down the, the nuances of words like blessed. But, but here is a, a, a stern warning and calling to us who love to think deeply. Thinking deeply about God that doesn't move to love for God and doesn't move to obedience to God has missed the point of the Bible. And so as I pray for my own heart, and I pray for you, but I'm, I'm not hurling any condemnation at anyone except my own feet, okay? 
But, but what I'm praying for us is that we would be a people who, as we study the Scripture, as we know the Lord, as we go deeper in understanding who God is, that His presence and His work in us would not only change the way we think about Him, but it would change the way that we respond to Him, and it would change our loves, and it would change our desires, and it would change our delights, and it would change who we invite over for dinner on Friday night, and it would change what we do on Sunday afternoons, and it would change where we take our kids on Tuesday evenings, and it would change how we pray for our neighbor, and it would change who we love and who we serve. I am deeply yearning for us to be a congregation that sits and stands and walks in the way as much as we think about the way. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. So the blessed man is blessed in the current and in the eternal. The blessed man's life is shaped by the word so much that he delights in the word. And then we're told, third, that the blessed man bears fruit and prospers. That's what we're told in verses 3 and 4. The psalmist compares the blessed man to a tree that's planted by streams of water. I mean, have you ever planted a tree in June and July and try to keep it alive? I'm, I'm doing it right now. Anybody want to come over and just hold a hose for about 25 minutes this afternoon? You're welcome. I'll pay for the water. I just need somebody to hold the hose, right? So get the image, though. If you planted the tree right beside a stream where the tree's not in the water, but the roots are, where it never has to be watered, it never starves, it never does without the nutrients that it needs because it was planted in just the right place, in just the right way, so that it would bear fruit just how it was intended to bear fruit in season. Do you get the metaphor? What God is saying is those of us who have been saved, who have His Spirit, who open His Word, who delight in Him, we are that tree. And so the challenge for you this morning, if you are in Christ, is to believe that you are that tree. Not that you have to go and become it. Not that you have to move. Not that you have to create new and special ways to know God. What God is saying is, I have given you everything you need to bear fruit in season and to enjoy me. And you are that tree. You have the Lord giving you oxygen and sustaining your life. You have the Spirit of God dwelling in you to draw you to Him. You have the people of God and the Word of God to deepen your faith and move you to follow the Lord. You are the tree. You're the tree. And I just want us to believe that by God's grace and for God's glory, we are the tree. And so tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to open my Bible to Psalm chapter 2 and I'm going to start reading because I want to meet with God and I want to delight with Him and I believe that as I do that, He's going to minister to me and He's going to minister to my family and He's going to minister to this church and He wants me to bear fruit in season. We are the tree because God planted us 
by the living water when he saved us and gave us his spirit. Believe that we are the tree. And I know what time it is. I'll figure out how to finish this in a minute. But believe that we are the tree. And I think that applies to us personally, but it applies to us corporately as well. So if I could just be a little bit transparent, like, like maybe you guys don't realize, but do you remember those two years where we didn't baptize anybody here at Redeemer? Which means we weren't seeing people come to believe in Jesus. And we met in here on Sunday nights on the front three rows, and we just prayed, and we prayed, and we said, Lord, give us a place. Lord, provide for us. Lord, bring people to Jesus. You remember that? And, and many of us, like me, thought, man, we're not bearing fruit. We must be dead. We must not be the tree. We must not be by the stream, right? And in the last six months, we've baptized more people than we have in the first seven years of our church. And it's not because we're awesome, and it's not because we pulled out some manipulative trick to get more people wet. It's not any of that. It's just, it's season. It's the season. The season for fruit has come. And the winter is an important part of the summer. And so in the winter, we must believe that we're still the tree because God saved us, God redeemed us, God is with us, and he's planted us by the stream, even though we might not be able to feel it or even see it. Right? The blessed man is the tree that bears fruit in season. And I want us to believe that we're the tree. Okay, that's the blessed man, the cursed man, the wicked man. I'll go much faster. We're told that in this passage, the wicked man is the one who refuses to live by God's covenant, refuses to receive God's saving grace. So the wicked man walks, sits, and stands in the way of sinners, in the counsel of the wicked, in the seat of scoffers. The wicked man is like chaff that blows away. So that's a, that's a, a metaphor from um, harvesting fields. What they would do is they would throw the wheat plant up into the air and the wheat would fall down to the ground and stay in among the, the wheat and the chaff would be blown away by the wind. So, so really what the metaphor is saying is the wheat dwell in God's presence. The chaff will just be blown away. It goes further and says that the wicked man will not stand in the judgment. So the wicked man will have, will, will not experience this life of blessing in the now, but he also will not experience it into eternity. He will not stand in the congregation of the righteous. He will not perish. I'm not going to belabor the point except to say that the Bible teaches us that the way we live in this world does matter. It has consequences here and now and it has consequences into eternity. If we reject Jesus in the here and now and we don't walk in the path of God's blessing, we'll feel the weight of that. We will. And if we continually reject Jesus and reject his covenant and reject his son and reject his saving power, there will be eternal condemnation for those who reject God. But we don't hear that to hurl condemnation. We hear that to extend invitation and say, there is a better way. The better way is in Christ. The better way is in God's covenant. The better way is walking in his word to bear fruit for his glory. And that's an invitation to all of us. Come to him today. Final point for my note-taking friends. Pursuing God's blessing. Pursuing God's blessing. The big application that I would give you today 
is one, to believe that you're the tree. And then two, with every fiber of your being, seek to walk in God's blessing. Believe that there indeed is a better way, shaped by his word, shaped by his truth, shaped by his eternal counsel that bears fruit in our lives now and forevermore. And we have to fight to believe that, okay? I'm just going to give you two words, ten commandments. Ten commandments. I say that to you and some of you go, oh no, the rules again. The rules. Hate rules. Why does God have to have so many rules? They're not really rules. They're not rules. They're invitations to walk in the better way. Because God knows if you trade him for a false god, it will destroy you now and forever. It's not a rule. It's an invitation. This sounds like a rule. God knows when we covet our, our when we covet other people's stuff, and when we covet another man's wife, and when we commit adultery, and when we run to pornography, and when we turn our back on the Lord's good way, He knows that it will steal our joy now, and if we're not in Christ, it will bring, bring us into condemnation. These are invitations. So my takeaway challenge for you today is to believe that if you're in Christ, you're the tree. If you're not in Christ, that God by his spirit desires to make you the tree. And to believe that the path of seeking God's blessing is found in verse 2. Delight in the law of the Lord as we meditate on it day and night. See, the Bible's not like just this cool book where we get all the cool facts. The Bible is where God reveals God. So meditating on the Bible's not like, like not about just meditating on the words. It's about meeting the God behind the words. Meditating on the Bible is about experiencing the grace that has brought you life. Meditating on the Bible is about celebrating the fact that your eyes are open. And so what God is declaring, and we cannot doubt, is that if we want to know him, we will know his word because he is revealed in his word. What he is declaring, and we cannot doubt, that if we need to experience more of who God is and how he's worked in his life, we must run to and meditate upon his word because that's where he has revealed it to us. And so in our overly psychologized age where we're all pressed to talk about how we feel and how things make us feel and what we think, what I am declaring to you today on the counsel of Psalm chapter 1 is I believe in counseling And I believe in some of those questions, but we must believe that what God says is always truer than what we feel. And what God reveals is true is always more right than what we feel. Even if I can make a reasoned argument to you with great passion and vigor as to why I am right, we must believe that what God has spoken is truer. We also live in a southern culture where he or she who speaks loudest and last wins the argument, right? And that's not true. What God says wins the argument. And we have to position our minds and our hearts and our souls to believe that so much so that we will shape our lives, we will posture ourselves for our lives to be shaped by God's word such that we would delight in his law. We would find joy in meditating on it all the time. And the way that we walk, sit, and stand would be forever transformed. That is the invitation today. 
So I can think of four ways that you might respond to this invitation. One, pastor, I want to believe what you're saying, but I don't understand the Bible. I want to believe what you're saying, but I don't really understand the Bible. I will make two whole days this week to help you understand the Bible. If you're a lady and you don't want to hang out with me that long, I will find a lady who will help you understand the Bible. It's not rocket science. And sometimes us overly cerebral Christians that love our theology too much make the Bible harder than it has to be. In the beginning, God created. The world fell and it was broken. God promised a redeemer. His name is Jesus. He has come. He lived. He died. He rose again. He sent his spirit and his spirit will dwell with us until he comes again so that we can celebrate his creation, his deliverance, and his forever salvation. The Bible fits right into that and I would love to help you do that. And my notes just turned off. My iPad's like, dude, you've been preaching too long. Okay. Second, there's some of us who, it's not that we don't understand, it's that we don't really care. If we're honest, we just don't really care. And I would just plead with you. Jesus came so that you could be delivered from the lies of the scoffers and of the wicked and of the sinners and find that there is a better way. I'm pleading with you to believe that there's a better way. Third, we suburbanites love to say that we would love to do that, but we just don't have time. Lie. Next. Number four. <laughs> Number three, I'll go back. I would just challenge you to make a list of all the other things you do. It's convicting. Number four, I don't get anything from it. I don't get anything from it. And to that, I would say, every time that I open the Bible and read it, I don't get something from it all the time either. Or at least I don't feel like it. But that's where we have to believe that we're the tree. And we have to believe that the Lord meets with us throughout all of our lives in in common ways, but particularly he meets with us when we open his word and we run to him. And even if it doesn't feel like it, he is there. And even if it doesn't feel like it, he is ministering to us. And even if it doesn't feel like it, he's pouring his grace out upon us. And that is one of those places where we have to let the scripture override our feelings and keep going back. But let us remember Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. And let's be a people shaped by that last verse.